Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30. And, of course, you're listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up, we have to welcome back Craig Wilson from Gentiana Nursery. Hi, Craig. Hi, Pam. Good morning, listeners. Well, what a great autumn it's been. Well, it's been interesting. Yeah, well, compared <laughs> so that, to last year, yeah. I mean, we've had rain. Yes, we have. Yeah, really quite good rain. Yeah. yeah and the, the leaf clean-up's nearly done, which is always a relief. <laughs> <laughs> Some good mulch there. Oh, lovely. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't last long. I always throw a load of wood chip on top of it. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. But no, um, but mind you, Craig, if you dig down... Same, yeah. It's still very, very That's dry right. underneath. But we need know, a lot more. it's a more. start. It is it, a it, good it's, start. It's early in the rain season. Yep, yep. Yeah. And, and it's, been, it's been steady, so That's it's right. penetrated yeah. a bit. Yeah, yeah. Mind you, yeah, as you say, I mean, I was plant, putting some plants in up at Long Acres under a conifer the other day, and it was like dust. Oh, I can imagine. I had to water them in, which is yeah. a bit unusual for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, Stephen's still watering, too, because it's his so... His garden. His garden, yes. No. So, I mean, that's a bit crazy. <laughs> Not in the Dandenongs. Not in the okay. Well, you're on the right side of Melbourne. That's right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, very interesting times. And, of course, now, well, mind you, I, we still haven't had a frost at Eltham, and that's unusual for No, us. really mild. Very mild. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But wet, and so I'm completely happy with that. Mm. Yeah. We just need a good frost now for some of those fruit trees and things, okay, don't we? Okay, to set the buds. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. I guess, the, you know, it's early days. It's yeah. only early June, so we'll see. We don't see. really get frost anymore. Don't you? No. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh. We used to get a sprinkle, but I haven't had a decent frost for years. It's okay. the same with snow. It doesn't really happen anymore. Okay. Yeah. Gosh, I still get frost in Eltham. Yeah. <laughs> I keep telling my clients we'll be growing mangoes before long. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> it's bordering on the truth. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, I mean, people are finding they're getting away with more and more tropical plants. Oh, in, absolutely. In I Melbourne have, Gardens. I, I, well, I don't have tropical, but I have a lot of temperate plants mm. doing really well. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, but it, look, it changes the suite of things we can grow. It does. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's interesting that, that a lot of places like... Um, the Royal Botanic Gardens, Melbourne and, and uh, City of Melbourne, they're all having to think about succession planting and they're having to think about what species they're going to be putting in. That's right. Yeah, um, particularly imagine. for street trees and things. Yeah. They've got to think long term. Yep, yep. It'd be very changed, I would say, in 20 years. Oh, I think so. Yeah. 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 Still, you know, you just got to work with these things, don't you? That's right. Yeah. That's right. And in the meantime, all we can hope is that our politicians start getting to understand climate change. That's right. Because yeah. um, I think they're still in complete denial at this rate. Well, those of us who have our hands in the dirt know. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All we can do is keep clamouring, Craig, That's I think. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Cause a revolution. We have to say a very good morning, too, to Louise Sexton. Good morning, Louise. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, Craig. How are you today? 
Yep. How's all it good going? Here. All good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And and Louise, um, listeners may not know you, but uh, you're a guide at Royal Botanic Gardens, Melbourne. I am a volunteer guide at the ta- at the gardens. Yeah, and uh, was taking a lovely walk there the other day with a group of people who'd spent all day having a conference and then came out into the lovely office of the outside of the Botanic Gardens and we had a beautiful walk towards the end of the day okay. on Thursday. Excellent. Mm. Yep. So how long have you been guiding for then? Oh, three years now, Pam, and okay. uh, I love every minute of it. Brilliant. Yep. 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 It's fantastic. Good, good. Do you get stumped often? Oh, yes. Yeah, so I say to people there's over 55,000 plants in the garden and <laughs> I don't know them all. Yeah. <laughs> You couldn't possibly. (laughs) No. But um, it's absolutely wonderful and you meet fascinating people. People are in there because they love gardens or they just love being in the outdoors and um, and just taking in the beautiful serenity and the trees and the the atmosphere. It's wonderful. Mm, mm. The lungs of the city. Well, certainly. Mm. And you'd have many overseas visitors too, I would imagine. We do. We get lots of overseas visitors, um, but some many locals as well, uh, particularly people who've been there many times before, and they're very interested in coming along too. Go on the special walks like uh, Extraordinary Trees or the Gardens Uncovered, these sorts of walks that um, a little bit little bit off the beaten track if you like Mm. but uh, we have a free guided walk every morning at 10 30 and um we we love seeing people there we're sharing our knowledge and our our love of the garden and you don't have to book you can just turn up you can just turn up for the 10 30 walk and book for other walks yeah okay Mm. and as you mentioned you have quite a few different themed walks we do yes um we have the gardens uncovered walk in the afternoon two afternoons a week which uh, goes into all those special places that you may not be able to have, you can't go in normally. There's, we look at um, the uh, photoheliograph house, some of the observatory buildings, as well as go into the children's garden and even a little part of the herbarium, Pam. So wow. Very, very special. That is special. special. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's really special. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Yep. And then, of course, there's other, there's other special guided walks like um, the Aboriginal, the Koori-themed yes, walks. And yes, yes. That's, that's taken by the, the, team, the, the, the team there, the Indigenous team, and um, it's on every day from 11.30. Uh, that is a booked walk, mm-hmm. and um, you can see all this information on the website as well, so yep. it's a really good resource to use. Absolutely. Mm. Excellent. Okay, well, I only have uh, two community announcements. So uh, things, of course, we always expect things to quieten down over the, uh, the winter period, but uh, still, there's a couple of things happening. Now, first up, uh, there is a guided walk today down at Geelong Botanic Gardens. Uh, you, uh, the theme of this one is uh, winter in the gardens, and it's going to be taking a look at... Uh, at the evergreen conifers in particular because they're revealed in all their grandeur now that uh, the deciduous trees have lost their leaves. So, And a look at the structure of the garden. It's always interesting, I think, to have a look at, uh, at garden structure when, uh, when those uh, evergreen trees do lose their leaves. And you, you can be looking at the texture of bark. And um, I think wintertime is a really interesting time, don't uh, you, Craig? Uh, deciduous trees in winter are beyond beautiful. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I just love it when mm. they drop their leaves yeah yeah and you, and you can see and, and the time it takes for a deciduous tree to develop that canopy of fine twigs 
you know, when they're young, you just have a few strong upward shoots. That's right. But when they get old, they get that beautiful filigree of twigs across the crown of them. Superb. Yes, yeah. brilliant. So uh, the details, you meet the guide uh, at 2 o'clock at the front steps of Geelong Botanic Gardens and uh, cost is a gold coin donation. Now, the other one that I have is an invitation to um, an afternoon down at Cranbourne Botanic Gardens. Um, you get afternoon coffee, cake and talks. Now, this is Sunday the 23rd of June, so that's in two weeks' time. Starting at 2 o'clock, it's being held in the auditorium of Cranbourne Gardens. Um, and they've got two guest speakers uh, and again, this will be a really interesting one. They're talking to both the Yarra and the Werribee River, uh, river Keepers. So Andrew Kelly is the river keeper for the Yarra and John Forrester is the river keeper for the Werribee River. And they'll be talking about the voluntary work they do from enhancing the habitat and health of the waterways to minimising or collecting rubbish. Now, the Yarra River usually receives plenty of publicity, whilst the less well-known but equally important Werribee River needs a higher profile. So this is uh, a way to uh, hear all about both of these vital Victorian waterways. Now, uh, cost... If you're um, a member of the Friends Group at Cranbourne, $20. Non-members, $25. $10 for students. And uh, to book, you go to the Cranbourne Friends website, which is RBG Friends Cranbourne, all one word, all lowercase, .org.au. So that's RBG Friends Cranbourne .org.au. Or if you'd like more information... You can uh, contact our good friend Alex, and his uh, detail is smarty38 at bigpond.com. So smarty, uh, sorry, just smarty, S-M-A-R-T-I-E, smarty38 at bigpond.com. But as I say, to book, go to that Friends Cranburn site, and that's all happening 23rd of June two o'clock uh, in the afternoon for that very interesting um, talk plus afternoon tea. Okay, well, we're going to uh, open up our talkback lines nice and early for everyone this morning. If you'd like to ask a gardening question this morning, we'd love to hear from you. We have Craig Wilson from Gentiana Nursery and Louise Sexton, uh, guide at Royal Botanic Gardens Melbourne in the studio the number is 94190155. That's 94190155. Craig, you've brought in some things from the garden, and you were saying it's, it's a little light on at this time of the year. That's right. It's, it's, it's sort of a nice time in a way because it, it's a renewal. You know, there's things popping up all over the place, but there's nothing that really stands out. Yes. You know, I wanted to tell you a story. You know, on Thursday morning I planted... 10 advanced trees for a customer. Okay. And I told her to buy four or five bags of dynamic lifter so that we could dig some fertilizer in around them. Yep. And the person she bought them off told her not to do that because it would burn the roots. Right. And it's such a furphy. You're right. You know, burning roots is something which happens when you use chemical fertilizers, when you use too much chemical fertilizer on seedlings or struck cuttings or when you put the wrong fertiliser on the wrong species. Right. But it's very rare 
fertiliser burner and certainly when you're planting a tree in the ground, if you dig a great big hole, two or three times the size of the root ball, mm. well, I, I use dolomite because we're on acid soil, but okay. al- also some dynamic lifter or organic life or blood and bone or whatever. Yep. You dig that in and you pack it in around the plant's root ball. It's not going to burn. Okay. The plant's going to jump out of its socks when its roots move into it. Right. Yeah. So it's, there's so many old wives or old oh, there's a lot. tales with gardening. It, yes, sometimes yes. it just drives me mad. You know, <laughs> mulching is another one. Right. Um, you hear so many stories about mulch. You know, don't put mulch on. It's going to leach nitrogen out yes, of the soil. I've heard that a lot. It's never been my experience. Well, I've piled the it same. On. He's never, ever seen any evidence of it. I've piled it on green off the back of a truck. Right. Yeah. You know, and I put it on thick, mm-hmm. 15, 20 centimetres deep. Yeah, right. Yeah, never seen an issue. Okay. Yeah. Um, the other one that you hear is it packs down and stops water getting into the soil. Right. Um, again, I would have thought that because of the range of textures and mulch, it stays open. And if it does break down, get a fork into it and loosen it up. Yep, fair yeah. enough. Um, but the thing with mulching is that you need to... Continually do it. Pile it on. So it, it's for me, it's every six months, really. Okay. I'm mulching. Yes. Yeah, so that you're getting mulch on top of mulch on top of mulch, and you get this beautiful layer of decomposing material. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, and the best mulch by far is off the back of an arborist truck. I really don't like any of the commercial mulches. Mm-hmm. The straw, pea straw and... Um, Sugar cane and that sort of thing is fantastic for a, a annual vegetable crop. Yep. But for the garden, they're pretty much useless. Well, they break down very, very quickly. Very quickly. Yeah, and, and also, you, you, they're expensive and you need to put mulch on thick. Mm. Yeah. And the, the commercial pine barks and that dyed stuff that people post, it's a horror. <laughs> yeah. But the, what I like about the arborists mulch, as I bought a, a pile of it in here, a little bag, is the, the, the range of um, parts of the plant that go into it. Well, you've got leaves in amongst that and twigs and all sorts That's of things, right. haven't you've you? That's right. You've got twigs, you've got leaves, you've got bark, yeah, and you've got hardwood, and so the decomposition rate it varies yes. amongst the components. Yes, Yeah. right. Um, and it's cheap. So everyone should have a relationship with their local arborist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and pile it on. Look, I and I always also use a lot of wood in my garden. As in, when I'm pruning, I'll just chop up branches and things and lay them down. Right. So there's actually pieces of wood in the soil, which really opens it up. Yes, it would. Yeah, it doesn't look tidy. <laughs> I don't do tidy gardens. Well, we, we're learning now that, that if you do a tidy garden, you're not being good for your habitat. Absolutely. That's the whole point. That's absolutely. It's, it's it, the tidy garden is about you, but not about the plants. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've seen the horror on some people's faces when they see my soil surface. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out there pruning, and then I have the loppers, and I just chop, you know, bits up into what thirty centimeter pieces or something. Sure. And sometimes quite thick. Yep. And just lay them down, and, and they 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 lie there and wait until I get a load of wood chip chucked on top of them. Fair enough. Yeah. And then you can't see them for a little while, and then all That's happens right. again. The only <laughs> annoying thing is when you put the spade in and you hit one. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, look, yeah. I think soil health 
and, and getting microbial activity is the key to gardening. Mm, it's the mm. foundation, really, isn't Absolutely it? the mm. foundation. Yeah. And I don't think people understand quite how often it needs to be done. It's not an annual process. It should be more than that. Okay. Yeah. So would you, would you do it spring and autumn or just whenever you can get a load? Yeah, whenever I can get a load. Yep. Yeah. And, I mean, at the moment, of the, the, my gardens are ankle deep in leaves. Okay. In autumn leaves. And... Um, then the wood chip goes on top of that. Yep, yep. Pretty quickly. Yep. Before they start blowing around again. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. And, and straight over the top of everything. Yep. So, so all the, the spring inferials and the bulbs and things just push straight through it. Okay. So yeah. bulbs can even push through that that depth. Absolutely. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, and 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 even the um, you know the the beds where I grow the um, cyclamen species, I put a load of compost on top of them. And then a load of wood chip on top of the compost. Okay. And they'll push through that. Yep. Wow. Do you add? Do you ever add anything like um, um, an animal manure to it to help break it down? Um, Yeah, if I can afford it. Yeah. (laughs) It's a big garden. Yes, right. But yeah, certainly um, if I'm wanting to give things a boost, scrape the mulch away and put it around the root system. Okay. Put it back on again. Yeah. 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 So you'd put it right next to your soil. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No fertiliser burn. Yeah. (laughs) I think people have become very obsessed with, um, concerned about the way it looks above the ground, but forget about what's happening underneath. That's right, yeah. Mm. Yeah, And when you put the spade in, you know, the the top layer of soil should be full of white threads. Ah, what are the white threads again, It's microbial activity or mycorrhiza. Mycorrhiza, yeah. yeah. And that's what the decomposing material does. Yes. Yeah. And we're learning more and more about the relationship between trees and plants and your mycorrhizal. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes. There's no doubt about that. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. We're, 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 I mean, we hardly know anything about the whole world underneath the soil. And, That's right. And we're, we're starting to learn yeah. a tiny bit. But, mm. um, and how alive it is. Very alive. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and if you're looking after your soil properly, that's very visible. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go to our first caller, and we have uh, Bill in Ivanhoe. Good morning, Bill. Yeah, hi, thanks. Look, I, I have put in a, a raised garden bed uh, with mulch at the bottom and uh, compost and soil from uh, garden centres. Um, I, I planted broad beans, but they failed, and I had the soil tested. It was too acid. Now, I've got another garden bed, and I want to know what to put on top of the mulch this time. I, I realise you can put lime and that to... Uh, uh, solve the problem, but I, I'd just like to put the soil in right away. Um, that that uh, can grow things. Yeah, I want it to be less acid. What what would I put above the mulch? Dolomite, and and not above the mulch, underneath it. Underneath so the mulch. Yeah, you, you dig the dig the dolomite into the soil. Lots of it. Yeah. I mean, I just did I just did my nature strip garden, which um, hasn't been um, limed for a long time, and I put 180 kilos on it. Gosh. Yeah, it's a big garden. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's five metres wide and 20 deep. But yeah, that lot, takes weeks, sir. That takes weeks, though, doesn't it? The dolomite takes years. Yeah, yeah it's, just, it's a little bit... But, but it is going to have a, a fairly quick impact as well. It's, it's just that it lasts longer than lime. All right, and just another question. Have you heard of black grit? Someone said to get black grit. I don't know what that right. is. You haven't heard of that? Was it some sort of biochar or? 
I don't know. I had a look in the garden centre yesterday. I couldn't see it. But yeah. No, look, I've, I put the line. Yeah. I've never yeah. heard of anything called that. I, th- I suspect no. you're right, Craig, yeah. and it might be biochar. But I'd, I'd be taking the mulch off and I'd be digging dolomite into the soil. Uh, I've, got the, I've got the mulch at the bottom. Underneath the soil. Yeah, yeah. What was was what was the idea to fill up the um the raised bed a bit so that you would need less soil? Is that what well, you've to, done? To be able to be able to actually plant something in in August or September. Yeah. Yeah. To have mulch underneath the soil is a great idea. I mean, mm. that's just organic matter that's yeah, going yeah, yeah. to improve your soil texture. But you need to have mulch on top as well. Mm, right. But you wouldn't um, be planting right down. You're not going to get right down into that mulch if it's underneath, are you? No, I'm just planting into the soil. You're planting yeah. into the soil. So it's the soil that's the problem. That's too... Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm, I'm on acid soil too. It's just right. it's just a continual process of, of using um, dolomite. All right. Yeah. All right. I mean, I, my preference is for the slow release than the lime, which is really quick. Oh, cool. yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks, Thanks for that. That's, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Bye. That number again, if you'd like to join us this morning, 94190155. We have Craig Wilson from Gentiana Nursery and Louise Sexton from Royal Botanic Gardens Melbourne in the studio. So do give us a call, 94190155. Craig, back to what's yeah, happening in your garden. It's also the, the season for pruning dissectum maples or the weeping maples. All right. And they are a plant which absolutely needs pruning. If, if you don't do them, they just become a tangled mess, um, full of dead wood, full of crossed branches. So, so now's the time to do them. Um, it's so much better if you start when they're young, obviously, and do a little bit regularly. But if you haven't done that, the first thing is to deadwood them because they're generally a congested mess of dead wood, and it's very easy to tell a difference now at this time of the year with the the colour of them. Mm -hmm. The second thing is to take out as as many crossed branches as you can. Right back to the main stem? My my feeling is to get rid of them because they become an issue as the tree ages. And, And if you make a few holes in the maple's canopy, they'll fill. Yep. You know, it may take two or three years, but they'll fill up. And the, when you're pruning them, you come in from underneath. Okay. So I actually get in underneath. And so the first things you take off is anything which is coming directly from underneath the branches. Right. And work your way up. And, and what you'll find is that the higher up in the canopy, the, the, the plant is much stronger. And those growths need to be shortened back to allow the lower branches to get some light. Okay. I'm yeah, otherwise, yes. the lower branches will weaken. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. It's it's a it's a job which look I do it every year just a little bit. Okay. I mean that for me pruning is is something which is best done small amounts regularly mm. rather than a big job every now and again. But if you need to do a big job on them, it's worth doing, mm. and certainly you'll improve the appearance of mm. them enormously and the vigour. Okay. Yeah. So if you haven't done it up till now, if you bite the bullet and do one big prune and then just maintain prune each year. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And and come always come in from underneath. Yep. So that so that you're not not from the top down. Okay. So yeah, I'm usually sitting underneath them with the loppers. Fair enough. Yeah. But that way you're not going to lose your shape either, are oh, you? Oh no, this it's all about maintaining a shape. Exactly. And creating a beautiful shape. And yep. and, and because they are a sort of an aberration, you know, they're not really a natural thing. True. They need to be looked after. Mm. The worst thing you can do is skirt them yep. just to go around underneath and 
cut an even even bottom on them so they look like an umbrella. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Lot, lots of pruning on the dissectums. Um, if anyone's interested, I, I think I've got a 30-minute YouTube oh, okay. clip, clip on pruning them. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a long one, okay. but it goes into some detail. It's probably longer than a lot of people's concentrations <laughs> have these days. But yeah. 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 YouTube's great. You can actually find out lots of interesting information as long as you're careful, I guess, what source you use. But it's very interesting. It's a it? matter of knowing who you're listening to, too. Yes, There's a yes. lot of people who are sort of armchair experts sure. out there. A lot of cowboys. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the other thing that I hear a lot is dwarf conifers and people talking about them growing too much. All right. Now, what, what you have to understand is that if, if you're buying a dwarf form of, say, Pinostrobus, well, Pinostrobus would be a 10 or 12 metre tree. Well, your dwarf plant is, if left unchecked, going to grow to three metres. Right. So it is technically a dwarf. <laughs> yes, that's but right. But still a substantial plant. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And when the labels only tell you the first 10 years, uh, all, always, this conifer is going to grow a metre by a metre in 10 years. Right. They never tell you 15 or 20. No. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. True. After yes. 10 years, it's just getting going. I think yeah. you've probably shifted house by then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so th- they really need to be pruned too. Yes. If you want to maintain them as rockery mm. conifers, which is generally what they're okay. labelled as. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. And with pruning conifers, you have to leave foliage. You know, for the deciduous tree, you can cut into, or a broadleafed evergreen, mm. you can cut into bare wood and they'll bud back. But with conifers, they yeah, won't they do won't, that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So you need to leave foliage. Yeah. Yeah. And are they yeah. a popular tree? They're starting to. I think. Oh. I think the popularity is increasing for for conifers, which I'm really happy. A renaissance. Yeah. Mm. Not not big ones. Yeah. The smaller ones. Mm. When you're buying the smaller ones. Spend money and buy grafted ones. Mm. Any anything that's cutting growing has the potential to get big. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So always make sure there's a graft on them. There's, there's, in general terms, there seems to be a huge demand for dwarfed everything at the moment. I guess we're building bigger houses on smaller, smaller blocks, yeah. so we've got less garden space. But yeah. yeah. Um, and balcony everyone, gardens, apartment and balcony gardens, gardens yeah. yeah, and tubs. Mm. And yeah, look, mm. I think it's fantastic. I mean, I, I'm just looking at um, Louise's list there, and I saw ginkgo, and you know, I've got a little ginkgo in my garden that's probably a metre and a half high, and it's been there for 20 years. Wow. Mm. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely beautiful dwarf ginkgo. Yeah. Yes. And for people who can't fit a big one in their garden, mm. it's perfect. It's mm. a great idea, dwarf ginkgo. Yeah. yeah. Such a beautiful tree. That's right. Oh, and yeah, the colour's superb. Yeah. And so easy to mix in with the mm. garden. You know, I've got mine mm. planted next to a, a dark leaf caprosma, and oh. the, the golden oh, red is fantastic. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. But the demand also for for dwarfing a fruit, fruit tree. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. I wonder are, how are, they go. Are I, they good? Yeah. I never well, know. yes. And you're getting normal sized fruit. Yep. Even though it's a dwarf tree, you're getting normal sized fruit. Yep. So, um, yeah, they're they're excellent for. As I say, you can put them on a on a balcony, mm. and also also your columnar um, fruit trees. Yep. Um, for you know narrow space. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, fastigiate trees are very yes. useful for that. These new cultivars. Yeah. Exactly. Mm, so yes, mm. big demand for that at the mm. moment. But a dwarf fruit tree would be what two by two meters or what's? Uh, yeah, probably about. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Um, the, the thing with trees and tubs is to change the potting mix. 
Oh, you have to. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. They run out of oxygen. There's no very more pores left in the in the mix. That's yeah. right. It yeah. becomes very condensed in, yeah. the, in the middle of the root ball, yeah. and and that means that there's nothing in that section of the pot mm. that's available to the mm. tree. That's right. Yeah. 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 It's, it's something I've you know. People used to just say, take them out and take a third of the potting mix off and pack them back in. Well, that, to me, that's an emergency repot. Mm. <laughs> but if you're doing a, a proper repot, you should yeah. be in there with a stick working the potting mix off the roots. Yep. Yeah, and getting some fresh soil into them. And would you still go up in size, one? Or you even don't though need to. You really don't need to. If, it's if just you're repotting properly, you don't need completely to. Completely refreshing the that's whole right. mix. That's right, yeah. Yeah. And, and doing it at the right time of year, it's way too early now. Oh, yes. You want to do it when the tree is about to grow, mm. so right at the end of winter, early spring, mm. so that you, when you're damaging the roots, it immediately repairs rather than sits in cold potting mix all winter with True. damaged roots. True, Yeah. Yeah. So later rather than earlier. Mm. Yeah. Gosh, there's a lot of work for everyone at this time of the year, Busy isn't there? Time, yeah. time of the year. Well, yeah. Actually, now's a bit of a breather. Mm. Yeah, then yeah. It happens but a bit before later the on. start of spring. Yeah, yeah. yeah or just just yeah. on the turn. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, that number again, if you'd like to give us a call this morning, nine four one nine zero one double five. We're running through until nine fifteen, so plenty of time to jump on the phones. Um, and give us a call. While I'm talking phones, um, I did mention last week we do have a vacancy for um, a volunteer to join the gardening show team and uh, learn to do the phones for us, uh, be part of the, the roster system we have for um, doing the phones. The phones are the most crucial part of uh, the gardening show because without uh, someone to answer the phones... Um, we don't have a show. Yeah. <laughs> we can't, uh, we can't, uh, have our public ringing in and asking gardening show questions. So, um, if you, if you fancy that you'd like to be a part of the team, you will get rostered on once a month, generally. Uh, but you don't need any training. We will train you up very happily. So, if you think you'd be interested in, uh, in uh, being a part of the of the team, we'd love to hear from you. If you give Carol a call um, on nine four one nine zero one double five and just leave your name and phone number, and I will ring you back uh, later in the day. But uh, as I say, we only have a vacancy for one person um, who'd like to be a part of the team. So uh, if you think that's something that you'd like to get involved with. Uh, do give us a call. That number nine four one nine zero one double five. Okay, Craig. What else have you got there? It's just about hellebore time, and you know what? What I find a lot of people tend to do is they'll lump a whole genus into one sort of category. So they'll say hellebores, or oh, they need shade. Right. Mm. But really, what yes. you're talking about is hellebores orientalis needs shade. Uh-huh. Yep. But perhaps the rest of them might require some different conditions. Mm-hmm. And the two I brought in are Argutifolius, which used to be Corsicus, which is a beautiful hellebore with uh, the, the red stems. You can't really see it here, but slightly silver foliage. Mm-hmm. And it's just making flowers now. And it's one which definitely requires you know, a good dollop of sun in the morning. Probably not the hot afternoon sun. You can tell if it's in too much shade because it flops. Okay. Yeah, and if it's in the, getting a right amount of sun, it'll stand up. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the other one I bought in is Eric Smithy Eye, 
um, which again is a green flowered one with beautiful foliage. So so when you when you're buying your hellebores, it's probably worth doing a bit of research yes. to find out whether they are in fact shade plants or or whether they require some sun. Mm. Because to put a whole genus in one basket is always a mistake. Yeah, I mean, I so you know I sell some some euphorbias that come from Kashmir that <laughs> require pretty cool moist conditions, and mm. people see euphorbia yeah. and say As drought tolerance. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Huge mm. genus. Yes. It covers mm. a whole range of spectrums. Yep. Yeah. So generally, you'd say morning sun for Mor- both of these. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Not not not. Anything after midday. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But Lovely. sun, nevertheless. Yes. Yeah. Not not the same conditions as the, the orientalis. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's it's yeah it's like that. I mean it's like that. I mean we've had that discussion about oxalis here before. You know when you get a big genus like that, there's always some weeds, and you so you don't lump things all together. Exactly. Yeah. You need to separate your plants out to work out. Yep. Yeah. You know, what aspect they should be growing in. And find out where they come from because that gives you the exact clue as to what they would grow in in their natural Natural state. Absolutely. I mean, I've been teaching bonsai the last few weeks and it's the first thing I tell them is Google your plant, find out the altitude it grows at, Mm. find out whether it's a substory tree or whether it's a principal tree in the forest, Yep. what part of the world it's growing in, and it's going to give you a whole heap of information mm. as to how that plant needs to be looked after. Mm. And it amazes me how many of them don't know. They don't even know what species it is. Right. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit generic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I bought a couple of Nyphophias in. No, it's... it's uh, Genus that I'm very, very. I was about to say that's one of your of. favourite plants. Absolutely, <laughs> and and really the only time of year that I don't have them flowering in my garden is sort of mid to late summer. Okay. Oh. But the rest of the year, there's always one somewhere around. And they attract the birds. The birds love so them. They do. Yeah, yeah. they're reasonably sculptural. tough. Yeah, sculptural flowers. Mm. Some of them have nice foliage. There's not mm. a lot. Uh-huh. Generally, there's something that you have to put behind a bit. Yes. To hide the scrappy foliage. Um. The just finishing up is Encephalia, which is one of my favourites. It's the most beautiful yellow and quite a big, tall one. And uh, it flowers at the same time as Plectranthus eclonii. Oh, the okay. purple Plectranthus. Beautiful and together. Lovely. It's yeah. surprising how much shade you can grow Encephalia in. Okay. Yeah, so you can actually mix it in with the, um, the Plectranthus. Oh, right. And have a really beautiful autumn display. Yes. Oh. Yeah. It's a very clear yellow, isn't it? It's a it? lovely yellow. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Pretty great. awful leaves. Well, uh, sort of one of those you can't big, have everything. Big right? long leaves that trail <laughs> along the ground. Yeah. We always want the whole lot, don't Absolutely. we? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Sarmentosa's just coming into flower. It, mm-hmm. It's one of the smaller ones, so it probably gets to about 50, 60 centimetres. Okay. And spreads by stolons. Oh, right. So it'll make quite a big patch. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I don't know quite how you describe that colour. Somewhere between orange and yellow. It's a beautiful colour and then just fading into the green. That's mm. right, yeah. Um, and then when Sarmentosa finishes, then we have Zululandica, which is one of my favourites. It's it's a really dark, all, almost red one. Wow. And a winter flower. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, look, it's worth looking for them. And, again, there's a, you know, there's a weed in the genus, um, but the rest of them can't be condemned for that. No, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, the and weed is just a plant growing in the wrong place, isn't it? Well, (laughs) some of them seem to be in the wrong place everywhere. (laughs) Put it that way. Yeah, Yeah, look, I'm not fond of weeds, but we all all have different ones, I think. Sure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, And that's the other thing that we forget, because a plant that may not be weedy in Melbourne could be incredibly weedy in New South Wales. Absolutely, that's right. Yeah. Mm. Well, well, like lantana, you know. Oh, gosh, yes. yes. Yeah. Which I quite quite like it as a garden plant here. Yeah. 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 But um, you wouldn't tell a Queenslander that. (laughs) Gosh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, that number, if you'd like to join us, 94190155. We'd love to hear from you. Craig, what else? what else have you got? Daphne's are just starting. Mm. It's, it's such a pity with Daphne that we're really only stuck on Odora. Yes. Because there's so many other good ones, and they're, they're sort of hard to find. Even I have trouble finding them. This one's Daphne Hybrida. Okay. Um, which seems to me to be, it requires a little bit more sun than Odora, but seems to me to be equally as hardy. Um, much smaller leaf, more compact growth. Definitely needs to be pruned or it gets leggy. Mm. And it's just coming into flower now. And it's, I don't know how you describe that colour. It's sort of mauve. Mauve purple. Kind of yeah. Yes. It's yeah. a very pretty little plant. It is, yes. Um, Probably your miner would be the place to find it. Okay. I don't have any at the moment. Right. Yeah, occasionally I'll be able to find some. And I presume it does have a perfume. Not as much as Adora. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, it does. Oh, it does? Yeah, it's lovely. Oh, yes, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Well, I look for quite a few of them. The, the, the new ones, you know, um, Eternal Fragrance, I think, is a fantastic plant. Lovely. Uh, I'm, I'm not allowed to propagate and sell it because, you know, it's got a variety right yeah. on it. Yeah. Mm. But it's terrific. And I've heard people talk about it short-lived, but I think that can be resolved with a prune. Okay. You know, I had one. I didn't realise it was going to get quite so big and... I thought, well, okay, you're going to get a kill or cure. Mm. So I cut it right back into hard, bare wood. Did you? And bounced away. Okay. Almost immediately. Well, I must yes. do that with mine because yeah. they have got leggy. Yeah. That's right. They do, they do. And I think that you'll extend their life considerably yep. with a good hard prune every yep. now and again. Yep. Yeah. When would be a good time, Craig? Um, I would have thought now. Now? Yeah. 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 I can't remember what time of year I did mine. It was a decision that was made on the size of the plant rather than. <laughs> yeah, I think mine just need the chop, so I'm going yeah. to go in and do it but regardless. It, was, it didn't didn't look backwards. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. no, I yeah. was worried about going back into into hard wood. Yeah, yeah. And and the, the, you know it's got the plant variety right, but if you want to do cuttings, they are so easy. Mm. For a Daphne, that's very unusual. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. 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 I have to say, still my my favourite Daphne is the white Daphne. Daphne Odora, oh, the, it's beautiful. The white is, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's got such a lemon fragrance. That's it's right. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, but also the white contrasts nicely with the dark foliage. Yes, yeah. yeah. And I find it really hardy. It's tough. Daphne Odora, yeah, right up against the tree trunk. Yeah, yeah. It's really yeah, tough. Really tough dry spots. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, mine, mine never gets water. Yeah. It's really? Only if it rains. It's yeah. Only if it gets natural yeah. water. Yeah. And yeah, and it's 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 tough. I've had yeah. it for years and years, and yeah. it just excels Wonderful. itself. Yeah. It, it, I think that people cosset them a bit much. Yep, I'm, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, certainly I use them all over my garden. If I've got a spot in the shade where I don't know what else to put in, then I'll bung a Daphne in. Okay. Yeah. Well, my mine is well. 
Admittedly, it's morning sun, but it's yeah. certainly not in the shade yeah. either. Yeah. I've got them growing almost against the trunk of a big pin oak. Right. Yeah, quite happy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Daphne and, and Cyclamen hydrofolium. Mm. Yeah. Well, they they got a Daphne's got a bad name because of the virus with Odora. You know, so many and, of them. Yeah, and um, they're short-lived. And they are short-lived. Fifteen and people years, just you chuck them out and put another one mm. in. As but you've had as, a whole fifteen years absolutely. of pleasure. Yeah. And, and, and as soon as they start going backwards, you get rid of them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Don't wait because it can be quite a prolonged death. <laughs> <laughs> I think we become too precious. Yeah. 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 My aunt used to say there's no room for passengers in the garden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fair enough. They've got to earn their space. They do, they do. Yes. I had a very accomplished gardener the other day tell me that she grows hebes in dry shade. Okay. So this is something that I've experimented with. Mm. Right. To see how they go. Yeah. yeah. And she says they flower. Goodness. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It's all about experimentation, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So we'll see how the heebies go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to report back on that one, Craig. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, we've just got a message coming up. We'll come to that in a moment. Um, one more thing, Craig, Still while we're waiting bat- for that message. Still deer at Long Acres. It's, oh. It just drives me berserk. Every decision I make is based on deer. Dear. Yeah, yeah. And, and then and then you you jump online and and the only information that you get is from the United States, yeah. and their deer seem to eat different things that our deer. Oh. Do. <laughs> so they say they say for example that Virginia and Acanthus are hundred percent deer proof. Well, not, not in Alinda. So. Oh. Oh, I, mean, I had a huge wide border of Virginia down the back fronting hydrangeas, and they're all grazed to the ground. Oh, and the goodness. Acanthus they don't even get above ground level Goodness and they're onto them. Me. Yeah. Okay. Everything's fenced. I've got to lay lay um, chicken wire down on top of all the cyclamen. Oh. But they're supposed to be deer proof too. It just drives me berserk. Is this a new problem, Craig? Last ten, 10 years. Yeah. yeah. But the deer the deer are coming further and further, infiltrating yeah. into I mean A B um, a kangaroo ground is having massive problems with deer now. Yeah. They they're just they're they're in Warrandyte. They haven't quite hit Eltham yet, but yeah. I, I'd oh. say within 12 months we'll probably have the same yeah. problem. The first time I saw one, I, I, I looked and I thought, "What is that? Is it a Great Dane?" Or? <laughs> <laughs> because you know I've been oh, yeah. I've been gardening there for years and yeah. never seen one, and finally it Goodness twigged. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the the government are actually now talking about having to cull. Because they've, they're just going rampant. Yeah. But they cull them in the Dandenongs, but they can cull them in the National Park. But that's a separate herd, herd from the herd which lives in the suburbs. Right. Really? Yeah. Oh. So the ones that are wandering around in the suburbs are not being culled, and they're really quiet. You know, they just stand there and look at you. Right. With their ears up. Yeah. yeah. I've tried all sorts of things. I've got the whole place booby-trapped with fishing line fences now. Oh, my goodness. With a, with a clear man. fishing line because they can't see it and it gives them a oh. fright when they bump into okay. it. Okay. Yeah. And we've got motion sensor sprinklers. And oh, <laughs> Really yeah. try to keep them out. Yeah, yeah well, it's, a, you know, yeah. everything. I mean, the, the, I hard-pruned a big Japonica camellia, which, you know, something I think needs doing every now and again. And... Suddenly, I find all a new growth being chewed off it oh, as it's no. bouncing back. 
goodness me. And yeah. we think we'd hard done with possums. Yeah. No, this is a new goodness. level. Oh, it's a completely <gasps> new level. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Warrandyte doesn't surprise me. I'd say anywhere, yeah. anywhere where there's patches of forest. Yes. Oh, really? yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 But they're also a menace on the road. I yeah. can imagine. Yes. Yeah. Very dangerous. Yes. So, I, yeah, if anyone's got any ideas, mm. I mean, I've thought about ringing up the zoo and getting some lion poo, but... <laughs> <laughs> Would that work? <laughs> For a while, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, until they get used to it. They'll uh, adjust to anything. Yeah. If they, yeah. they don't like blood and bone, but that's only until the first time it rains. And, right. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. that's constant. Yeah, yeah. that's right. It's giving us some very healthy I plants. mean, short of... You know, putting electrified fences all around your garden. Yeah, I, mm. that's, yeah. Oh, what a shame. Okay, we've had a query from Mary in Paran. She'd like to know how to move three big yuccas from along a fence line. She might replace with a bamboo. Uh, Chop them off and plant the trunks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. mm, that'll work. Um, getting the, it depends how big they are. Getting the roots out can be quite a big job. I was going to say, getting the yeah. roots out is the difficult Yeah, thing, it depends it? how you are on chemicals. My inclination would be to chop them off at the ground and, and put a little bit of um, 70% roundup on the stumps. Mm. You don't need much, mm. just a little bit. The reason you add a little bit of water is that it makes it more viscous. Okay. And that the, the plant's easier, able to absorb it. To take it, it up, yeah. yeah. Whether it kills yuccas or not, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And would you do it um, as soon as you've cut? Absolutely. So that it's straight fresh, away. so it takes so straight away. You can, you can see it sucking yes. in mm. straight yeah. away, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's my response to a lot of weeds. I do that with blackberries all the time. Uh-huh. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, it's two or three drops. It's yeah. not, not a lot. Okay. Yeah. The bamboo's a great idea. Yeah, bamboo's a terrific yeah. idea along buy the them, line. Buy them from an honest person. Oh, yes. Who's going to give you good advice. Yes. Yeah. Because some of them get a lot bigger than you imagine, mm. and then of course is the runners. The That's right. Bamboo yeah, is what clumpers. you need. Yes. Yeah, the Himalayan weeper is fantastic. Yeah. But I mean, I've, I've, even, even with the clumpers, I, I, I think you need advice absolutely. as to which variety. That's, absolutely. Really? Because yeah. some can be more problematic than others. That's right, and and some of them do better in a temperate climate uh-huh. like ours than others. Some of them, some of them, will look scrappy. Yep. If they're not happy with the climate. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Just find and a nurseryman you can trust. <laughs> and you can just, as you said, just replant where you've chopped the yuccas if you just want to put them, them somewhere the else in the garden. Absolutely. Yep. Just bury the trunks. Yeah. Okay. They'll, they'll go backwards for a little while and then they go forwards. <laughs> <laughs> with vigour. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I quite, look, I like them. Yeah. The yuccas. They have a place. They, I they, they have a place. place. Yes, yeah. yes. I use them in dry shade with that um, Cuba gold dust. Oh, yes. Oh. Yeah, they look nice together. Yeah. 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 Mm. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll go to our, uh, our next uh, caller. Let me see. We have uh, Richard, who's in Seaford. Good morning, Richard. Uh, good morning. Uh, look, I've got some hippie astrum bulbs that I've tried to grow in pots, and I've put some in the ground. Uh, now, I've had them in the pots for probably about three years and no flowers. That's the large orangey red, the very large showy hippiastrum, and they just don't flower. What can you advise? Three years is not a long time. It's not. No, for a big bulb right. like that. If, if Unless, are they really big bulbs? or? Yeah, they, well, they weren't when I put them in, but over the years they seem to be getting bigger. Yeah. And it seems the pot 
probably getting a bit cramped now, but I just wonder whether it's one of those things where you have to wait till they're actually cramped before they, you know. I think that, look, I, I haven't grown them for a long time, but I think they yeah. like being pot-bound. They do, yes. Yeah. yeah but that wouldn't stop me feeding them. Yeah, the person yeah. I got them from, were, she had them under a fairly shaded sort of spot. I've tried them in the shade. I've tried them in a, you know, they're in a fairly exposed spot in the garden now. Yeah, I've never thought of them as shade plants, but I could be wrong. Yeah, and the small ones, a neighbour of mine grows the small ones in the same soil, and they come up, you know, they're just fine, they flower. These large ones, no. (laughs) Well, maybe, I've never, I don't think I've ever heard you talking about lime before. What about, you know, would they respond to lime? Don't know about that. Yeah, Yeah, don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd be careful using lime in pots yeah, yeah. In, the, oh, yeah. in the ground I mean I, sometimes if, if I'm growing things from the European Alps I'll mix a bit of dolomite in with the potting mix yeah, yeah. but sparingly yeah, yeah. But anyway, I, I would say three way. years is not a long time no okay. yeah. well, that's good anyway another thing also in pots I've tried, in a pot I've tried to grow um, uh, tuber roses now once again probably about the same time about three years this year they actually produced flowers, but they were huge, big. They're about you know a metre high. They set up these great big high spikes, which sort of didn't the flowers didn't really come to anything. Would they be better off in the ground? I've never had any luck with tuberoses, but no. it's been a long time since I've tried them. Yeah, they're, they're a sort of subtropical thing, aren't they? Are they? Yeah. Well, mm. they're probably growing in the wrong spot because they're in a fairly shaded spot. Yeah. Yes, but, that might be uh, the problem. I think. Uh, yeah, but they look quite, you know, they seem to spike. Yeah, sorry, I'm not much <laughs> help with that one. Yeah, nothing. But anyway, th- uh, that's all. Thanks very much. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right. Next up, we have uh, Ken in Sunshine. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Look, I was absolutely horrified before with one of the comments from people saying to use Roundup. Roundup's got a two, consist, uh, two chemicals in it, 2,4-D and 2,4,5-T, and there's one more chemical, and I forget what it is, that was called Agent Orange, and they sprayed it in Vietnam. They shouldn't even be selling it. As far as I'm concerned, it's criminal. Well, when, when, you're, when you're managing a big property, Ken, I mean, I, 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 I do... I, I wouldn't use it. They sprayed, uh, if you have a look at the history of what happened in Vietnam, there's one, I forget what the chemical is, it's one more chemical that makes Agent Orange, and I wouldn't spray it on my mother-in-law. Yeah, no, and neither so would I. I didn't mean that was a joke. I mean, yeah. I probably did, but my mother-in-law was a beautiful person. But I meant that I wouldn't spray it anyway. I wouldn't even touch it. Yeah, look, look, I'm inclined to agree with you, excepting that I, you know, I, I manage long acres, which is an eight-acre property, and I do it on six hours a week. And... I don't have time to dig up blackberries. Yeah, well, you might, you mightn't have time to dig up. You might be um, lying at the bottom of the ground in a hole. That's very dangerous stuff, and they, I mean, it's criminal that it's still, it's still being used. I can't work out how it can. There's one more component that makes Agent Orange. So, anyway, that's all I wanted to say. All right, thank you. No, fair enough, Ken. Bye. Bye. That number, if you'd like to join us, 94190155. We are running through until 9.15, so uh, plenty of time to jump on the phones and give us a call. Louise, what's happening 
um, at the gardens at the moment because we are now into winter. Is there much to see in, in flower in the gardens? At this time? Um, there's always something to see in the gardens. I mean, at the moment, we've got the beautiful autumn leaves. Um, the There's still, you've still got some colour? still got some colour with the autumn leaves. It, what has looked absolutely stunning has been the taxodium disticums. Aren't they fantastic? Yes, they're yeah. a stunning kind of rusty red colour. It almost looks as if it's on fire. We've got some lovely new plantings that have only been there since 2013. The swamp cypress, well, actually named because they're actually planted uh, at the edge of the ornamental lake. So okay. their, their roots are actually, when, the when the tide's yeah. in, you know, yeah. Yeah. and they're able to, to cope with that. They, they're they in a little copse. Uh, there's seven of them there. And they, as I said, they've been in just for a few years now, but they're really starting to grow and look beautiful. And, of course, we've got them on some of the islands in the ornamental lake yeah. and mm. in other parts of the garden. So they've been quite a feature as well. But uh, the salvias are out. The sasanqua camellias yeah. are out now. Aloes. Uh, the aloes, yes, yeah. they're coming out. And um, it's, it's always a beautiful time in the garden any yeah. time of the year. When I was here the other – when I was taking the group the other day, you know, I walked past somewhere and I said, oh, well, you'll have to come back in summer and see that when it's in flower or like yeah. the champak magnolia or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And um, so there's always something – Marvellous to look at and just yeah. being there is a delight. Yeah. And, of course, they're still punting on the lake, which is a really beautiful thing to do, a beautiful experience. Okay. Yes. And um, so there's always something fabulous in the gardens. There's never – every season, I say, this Absolutely. is my favourite season. I know. Yeah. <laughs> the gardeners yeah. are like that, aren't they? They are, yeah. There's something about winter, though. There's, it's, it's delicate. It's, it is. Yeah. It is. It is. After the heat of the summer, yeah. suddenly it's tranquil and um, – you know, it's a little bit cool, and it's you'd almost have a mist rising off the lake. I can imagine. Yeah, yes, it, it, it is a little bit like that at the moment. It's so beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Well worth seeing in any season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. Mm. Yep. Mm. Yep. Uh, we had a query on the outside line. Um, Rose in Thornbury. Um, she needs to know how to transplant a bottle tree. Now, I have no other information. I don't know how big that it is. Brachychiton. Yeah. Brachychiton. Yeah. 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 Would, would need to know how old it is. Mm. Yes. But I would say they'd move really easily. Mm. That, that's my feeling. Mm. Uh, it's not something I've ever done. But you see them moving those huge boabs and things in Western Australia. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I would say very easily. Yep. I would not do it in the cold weather because there are tropical, subtropical plants, so they're more likely to be done during the warmer months and you'd have to suffer some watering to get it settled in. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. But I would have thought a non issue. Yep. Yeah. And just um, make sure you get enough of the root ball and do all those other right. um, yes. yeah. maintenance things that you yeah. do when you prepare a tree. But the, the age of it is a big factor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. Ex- if it's you know. young... It's if it's young, it won't be a problem. Mm. Not yeah. an issue, yeah. yeah. The older it gets, the more difficult it becomes, but that's only getting it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the bigger the root ball you can take, the better. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and prepare, prepare your new your new bed, bed yeah. before well ahead of time. And have the Ready whole dug. Yes, so that it goes so straight, straight in. in. That's yeah. right, because yeah. you always tend to, if you have to put it down... Then a whole then heap you of forget. soil falls exactly. off. Then it dries out, yeah. And, yeah. yes, and then yeah. you're in trouble. But yeah. It's interesting... Go on. Oh, I was just going to say about the bottle tree. I was in a little community garden in Kew yesterday. Gorgeous little thing. It's only been opened a while. And um, I was pleased to see 
a brachycotton there, so the Illawarra flame tree, a, a oh. young one, and a bottle tree, quite a young one, but old enough to have formed a, somewhat of a trunk. Right. And I don't know if you know a tree called the Wilga, which is really, right. it's, a, it's in the same family as lemons. It's in the Rutaceae family, and it's an Australian native evergreen. It's actually sometimes called the Australian willow, but it's very drought tolerant. It's okay. very difficult to propagate from right. a nursery point of view, yeah. but once it's established um, and goes into the ground, they're a really drought-tolerant tree. They're using them in streetscapes in Adelaide a lot now. So it's oh. a reaping it's tree, very pre- it? Yes, it's a yeah. very pretty little evergreen yeah. native tree, okay. which is unusual. So what's it called? Wilga, W-I-L-G-A, and the, the um, botanical is... Um, I'm just going to have to think of that for a moment. I'll have yeah, a look at it. It'll come to me when I'm yes, not thinking yes, about it. Exactly. Right. But yeah. it's called the, it, you know, its common name is the Wilga or the Australian willi- weeping, you know, like an Australian willow. So is the fo- foliage like a citrus? Or? Uh, no, foliage looks like a willow. Okay. It's long, long, long and pendulous. Yeah. And uh, it had actually been used in the country a lot. Cattle feed off it. You'd see they've been grazed. Underneath, totally. Okay. So it was used as a fodder tree in the old days and up around Broken Hill area. So that's also where really arid. Really arid, yes. Yeah. So I was wow. amazed to see it in this little garden yesterday. Um, I used to work in an advanced tree nursery and we used to we used to sell them. Right. So that's how I know about it. And they're it. seed yeah. raised, are they? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, they're quite yeah. difficult. But yeah, um, just breaking mm, the dormancy. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's always an issue. So with seed. a very interesting tree. Now, before the end of the program, I will think, I'll remember the bio. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's fine. It will come I've got to it now. It's Gigera parviflora. Well done. Mm. Um, any chance of spelling that for listeners? G-E-I. Yes. J-E-R-A. Yes, uh, and the second the second species name Parvi P A R V I, F L O R A. So small white flowers, right? And yeah. it's in the same family as the lemon family, Rutaceae, right. and it's got those um, sort of glands in the you know the, the the glands that a lemon tree has. You can smell that sort of smell. Yeah. Oh, if you okay. S- sort of crush the leaf a bit, you can smell yeah. it. So. Mm. so how big would it get? Um. It's a small tree. It would probably only be five metres. Okay. But it's a, it's a round tree. It can yeah. grow into a lovely, if it's pruned, formatively pruned over the years, yeah. into a beautiful round shape. Okay. Mm. It's an interesting one. Plant yeah. families are such an interesting thing. Oh, they? yes. If, if, you, if you learn about family. the family, then it can tell you a whole lot mm. about a plant mm. and, and it also can explain a lot. Yes. Rutaceae yeah. is an amazing family, yeah. really. That, that it's got so many variants yeah. within it. We just think of oranges and lemons in that, but um, it's a very interesting family. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. Wow. Okay. Uh, let me see. Next up, we have uh, Ruth, who's out in East Bentley. Good morning, Ruth. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'd like to know, please, if um, any of you have got experience with pruning blueberries? Yes. <laughs> yes? Okay, go for it. You take out the old canes. The old canes. Yep. Alrighty. Yep. Okay. That's pretty much all I can say. So you don't do the tips. No, that's what I've heard before. Yeah, yes. so you prune from the base Okay. Um, with a little right. saw and just take out the old canes. Oh. Yeah, so you open the bush up. And that's really about it. Because oh, I was a bit unsure because there seemed to be a main stem on it's two of them. Just one stem is there. It, that's what it looks like, yeah. Okay, because the ones that I've had any dealings with are multiple stem shrubs. 
So oh, they, okay. they branch from the base. I'll um, go back and have another look later on. Yeah, <laughs> but certainly, I mean, the, there's a place I work at where there's three acres of them. And Gosh. Oh. They, that's, that's the pruning is always the old wood. All yeah, right. Yeah, okay. every year they do it. All right, thank yeah. you. All right, thanks a lot. Yeah. Okay, good luck Bye. with that one. Bye. <laughs> ah, and uh, next up we have uh, Julie in North Baldwin. Good morning, Julie. Hello there. I've got to tell you that I think I've had a light bulb moment, but I need to follow this up with Craig. I have been so disappointed with some hellebores that I bought from the wonderful post office um, nursery. Right. And I... And I, every time they flower, I feel so cheated because they've always got their heads um, turned down. And the, and the only time I can uh, enjoy them is to float them in a, a vase of water, a bowl of water. Now, you, Craig, you seem to say that I've got them in the wrong position or, and I would be able, they would be holding their heads up if I was giving them more sun. Mine well, are on the south side of, of, of a building... Um, and they get sort of good light, but definitely never any sun. Would depend on the species. Yes. I mean, Post Office Farm does a lot of Orientalis hybrids. The, the, the flowers on the Orientalis are always the wrong way up. That's right. Oh. They're one of those plants that you have to walk through the garden and turn them over mm. to have a look. That, that's, yes. the, that's the nature of Halliburus. Uh, yeah. um, so you really need to check on which species you're yeah, buying yeah. to get the upright ones. If there, so there, yeah, there are some that are upright, are you saying? I'll have to go back to look at my plant labels. Yeah. Um, uh, so there are, can you tell me the ones that, uh, that I could look for that do actually hold their heads up? Would be um, Halliburus sternii, um, Halliburus argutifolius, Eric Smithii, um, some of the different forms of Fetidus. But the, the vast majority of hellebores that um, Post Office Farm grow are Orientalis hybrids. And they go to They're shade plants and, and the, the flowers nod. Oh, yeah. golly. Yeah. Oh, because you see them displayed there and, of course, they're all they're gathered together with their, with their faces up and they're, they're just beautiful. But, oh, Let's all right, well, look, I'll try, go look tr- at my look, label. Try giving them some lime. They love lime. Yes. And, and some dynamic lifter or blood and bone or, you know, a good organic fertiliser. And that, that'll certainly improve their performance. But you're definitely saying that, that, that they, some of them do need something like morning sun. Yes. That depends on the species. I'll look for them. Oh, yeah. thank you for your advice anyhow. I'm on my voyage of discovery with these. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Enjoy Craig. it. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, the or the Orientalis. I mean, hellebores are just one of those flowers that nod. And, That's and you, right. And you walk around the garden and you roll them over and have a look. That's right. Yeah. Didn't they have a nickname, nodding Nancys or something? One of those. Yeah, yeah. I think. But anyway, um, yeah, it's the some nature of, of the beast. It is the nature of the beast. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> some of them I find a bit overbred these days, and they're getting a bit too fancy. And I find that the, the the more fancy they are, the they're not such good performers. They're losing some of the vigor. It's losing some of the vigor. Yes. Some of the older varieties. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Um, because I know the Japanese, they've started breeding them now. Well, once they start on something, you you 
the range that comes out is astonishing. Oh, yes, yeah. incredible. Yeah, yeah. Mm. such incredible plant breeders. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the old purple ones have the potential to be environmental weeds, I think, in the right circumstances. Mm. Yeah. They seed everywhere. Oh. And the seedlings are not easy to pull up. Okay. Yeah. You need to you need to use a trowel to get them out. Right. Oh, They're really? They're not something that you can just pull up with oh, your fingers. Oh, that's not good. Mm. Yeah. 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 So. yeah it, re- it reminds me of all the work that's being done with um, peonies. Yeah. Um, and they are fantastic these days. And so Some tough. And really tough. Yeah. And if you're really wanting that, that showy bloom, yeah. um, that would be, I mean, okay, some of them are going to get a bit bigger than, than your hellebores, but that would be a really nice um, alternative to think about in the garden. Yeah, and look, I'd be looking at them for leaf form. Yes. As well as flowers. Yes. Because the flowers are for a month, but then you've got the foliage exactly. all summer. Exactly. And some of them are really beautiful. Mm. Yeah. They're, they're one that you mulch with lime. Okay. Huge amounts of it. Yep. They love it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Are they readily available, Craig? They're very expensive, aren't they? To because purchase? they're slow. Yeah. Yeah, and difficult. Yeah. 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 And I think that I think they are pretty freely available, aren't they? They are. Yes, yeah. they are. And and definitely gaining a lot of popularity. Yeah. So I think yes, you're going to find them everywhere. Yeah. And, and not yeah. difficult from root cuttings. Mm. Yeah. That's how you propagate them. Mm. Do you? You find that if you move them. Um, you get this little circle of plants coming up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> where, where you, up little yeah, where, you, where you've yeah. cut the where roots. Where they've cut the roots. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, tree peonies are good. Yeah. Herbaceous peonies, I don't know. They always fall over for me. Do they? I've never seen them sort of standing up. Oh. Yeah. Well, there's this whole new, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's Japanese, um, but it's, they've done a lot of work with them. They've only been... Released in the last oh twelve, uh, you know, two years yeah. max, and they are just stunning. Um, Stephen and I saw them everywhere in in France, um, and they were just herbaceous or tree herbaceous, herbaceous, herbaceous. Okay. Okay. yeah. And the size of the flowers were incredible, right? Absolutely stunning. Yeah, I yeah. think the herbaceous ones need a frost. To get them to upset buds and things, they liked a bit of cold. Well, the old ones did. Yeah. I don't think these new Japanese variety do so much. Okay. And these were in Provence, right? Where we saw them. Yeah. Um, by by the sea. Yeah. Right. right. Okay. Right so, at sea level. So yes. Yeah, yeah. So I think, uh, and I must I must look up and uh, for listeners get the name of the new, uh, this new. Japanese variety uh-huh. that, that they're doing so much research in. Yeah. But they're the ones that, yes, and you should be able to grow them in Melbourne. Normally you wouldn't be able to grow herbaceous peonies in Melbourne. That's right. Yeah, yeah because they do need that, that frost. Yeah. But no, this is revolutionising them. A level. It is, yeah. it is. We'll have to keep an eye out for them. Yes, yes. Yeah. no, yes. you must. So I, I, I must do some uh, research yeah. and get the names. Because again, the herbaceous ones have beautiful foliage too. If you oh. can keep the foliage going all summer, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I know, I know the Chinese are so fond of them because they used to grow so well in China. Yeah. They associated them with, with you know, their, their wonderful gardens back home. Yeah. And um, I know when I was interviewing some of the Chinese gardeners that are in our community gardens now, 
they were longing to be able to grow herbaceous peonies. And yeah. we, we were saying at that time, the only ones you'll manage are the tree peonies. Oh. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this has revolutionised the okay. whole of herbaceous peonies. So and are they in the country yet? Or? They are in the country. Right. But they're... You'd have to do a little bit of um, yeah. research to get hold Time. of some, yeah. but they're yes. becoming more available. Okay. So I will it's do wonderful. my research yeah. and get back to listeners, yeah. and I'll let you know, Craig. Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting. Because, um, yes, they're, they're really... Yeah. They were unbelievable, mm. the ones I've seen growing. Yep. Yeah, because I've had a clump of them on my nature strip. Well, Lois, my predecessor, planted them, so they've been there for a long time. Right. But they never really flower properly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But it's a very old variety. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, we've had a listener just ring in to uh, remind us that one of the key factors of planting hippiastrums is not to bury the throat of the bulb. Yes, you, you don't ever bury it too deep. Like a Noreen. Yes, like a Noreen. Yeah. So um, maybe that's why they're not flowering yeah. for yeah. that caller. And that, that would tend to suggest that they need to be baked wouldn't it? Yes, it if, would. If they mm. like to have their necks oh. exposed oh. like that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. good point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, Richard in Seaford, if you're still listening, um, just check that you haven't buried them too deep because yeah. that may be the problem. A couple of years ago, a customer came in and bought me some dwarf belladonna. Bulbs, oh yes. Just a little guy, a little bit bigger than a rain. Okay. Um, and I've got them going now. They're lovely. Yep. Yeah, and not nearly the sort of volume of foliage that you get that you get from an ordinary belladonna. Sometimes that can be a bit annoying. Yeah, it can be. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so that, yeah, that's a nice addition to the garden. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen them anywhere else. No, right. Yeah. Okay. So how big are they going to get? Do you know? They're they're small. Like they're I said, really they're just a just a just Nerine height. Nerine height. Yeah. With, wow. But with very much a belladonna flower, but minute. Yeah. By wow. comparison, yeah. okay. Yeah. Oh, that's and something the, to look yeah, out for. Yeah, they've come up from a seed easily. Yeah. Yeah. What colour are they? Pink. Oh, Just right. pretty much standard belladonna colour. Yeah. Yes, yeah. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. That number again. Uh, if you'd like to join us this morning, we do have a little while. The number is nine four one nine zero one double five. And uh, we'd love to hear from you before the show finishes at quarter past nine. I am going to uh, quickly go to an announcement. Hello, gardeners. Pam Vardy here. Get ready to turn on and tune in to the Gardening Show's annual Radiothon. It all takes place on Sunday the 23rd of June from 7.30 to 10am when you can help keep your favourite gardening show growing. Listen in on Sunday the 23rd of June and call 94198377 for great deals on seeds, new organic products, gardening tools, nursery vouchers, magazine subscriptions and new green-focused book titles. Or make a tax-deductible donation to support 3CR Community Radio. Join us at the station after the show from 10 to 12pm to pick up your prizes, have a cuppa and say hello. Dig deep for the 2019 3CR Gardening Radiothon, 7.30 till 10am on Sunday the 23rd of June. And yes, that's a big reminder to all our listeners. That's coming up two Sundays from now. So uh, this is the the one time of the year where we uh, ask all of our loyal listeners to... uh, 
to support not only the gardening show but also 3CR in general. We're already, I can see that the uh, the courtyard is already starting to fill up with lots of product. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> it yeah. is, yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah. And uh, I know there's heaps more expected in in the next week. So not next Sunday but the following Sunday is the gardening show Radiothon. We will be on air from 7.30 running right through till 10 o'clock. So we'll be on air for longer um, trying to bribe you with whatever we can. We've got <laughs> <laughs> with lots and lots of product and giveaways, all sorts of things to uh, to support the station. And, of course, from 10 o'clock uh, when we come off air until 12 noon, we'd love to see you down here, 21 Smith Street in Collingwood, um, to pick up whatever you've, uh, you've pledged for. Um, Hand over your money. We can clear the uh, the station of all the product, which would be nice. Um, and you would be uh, you would be supporting us. This is the only way that we raise money for um, and the next 12 months of our operational expenses. And, yeah. of course, you can imagine just the cost of electricity in running a yes. radio station. Yeah. None of us get paid a cent. We are all purely volunteers, uh, but we do have to cover our costs for the next 12 months. So... If you want to support the gardening show and keep us going, 23rd of June, um, we need you to jump on the phones that morning and uh, tune in and then come down and uh, get to see everybody. Say good day. I have done some baking again. I'll get into trouble if I don't. So there will be lemon slices. Yummy. There will be chocolate squares. Um, yes, yeah, so we'd love to see you down here from 10 o'clock onwards. So please put that in your diaries. Sunday, 23rd of June is Gardening Show Radiothon Day. Yeah, wonderful to have a gardening show with no agenda other than good information. Exactly. Yeah, just exactly. fantastic. Yep, yeah. yep. And we can discuss any topics horticultural yeah. that we like environmentally. We love being able to... Uh, to talk to our listeners. We don't have to rush you. If you've got more than one question, we can take our time with you. And, of course, uh, we have a wonderful bunch of volunteers who support the show every week, week in, week out, rain, hail or shine. So uh, we're a big community here. And I like to think of all our listeners as part of our community. We're one big happy gardening family. That's That's right. (laughs) Excellent. Okay. So what do they mulch the botanic gardens with? That's a good question. Uh, They make their own mulch. So it's it's from on site. Yeah, on site. There's a a very large area there. So everything that's um, cut down, everything is is made into mulch. Even the um, the the aquatic, uh, the azolea that's harvested, everything is turned into mulch. That's great. It is great. And they they do it a lot. Oh, it's a constant process. Yeah. Absolutely mm. constant. Mm. Yes, it's quite a big yard yeah. there. You can actually see it from one of the paths yeah. when you walk down. So, uh, see the piles cooking and cooking, yeah. uh, ready, getting ready to be put back onto the garden. Yeah, excellent. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The cooking process is good. I mean, it's nice to put mulch on, which has decomposed a little bit, but not necessary. I mean, if if you've got a small garden or a, a suburban garden, then you don't want a great stack of mulch. In your driveway, cooking down. Yeah, well, it does take up room, doesn't it? It does take up room, and it's a little bit unsightly, although I quite like it. (laughs) (laughs) But you could just put it on, Mm. yeah, um, without being cooked. And, you know, I was borne out by by, um, Don and Jean Annette and Mount Dandenong, who I worked for for many years, and they'd had the same property for 30 years, and 
green mulch straight out of the chipper mm. onto it's the garden for a long time. Mm. A beautiful soil. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Well, and the other thing that people um, are doing nowadays, if they don't have compost bins for their, their kitchen scraps and things, you can literally just trench them yeah, absolutely. and tip them in fresh, yeah. cover them over with the soil yeah. and plant alongside it. The only thing that you need to be careful of that is, that is rats yes, and to, to be aware of what, 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 mm. you're, what you're trying. Oh, well, I wouldn't be adding meat. Yeah, but no. you know, people need to know that, yes. that yes. Any, any sort of processed food product yes. is yes. Got or to cooked be, even. Yes, but yeah. all your vegetable scraps yeah, yeah, yeah. Pe- pe- peelings and yep. things, just yep. do a trench a week. Do a trench, yeah. yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, and it stays on the property. That's right. How good is that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. we've yeah. all got to be much more uh, savvy and careful about the way we uh, get rid of any rubbish. That's really. right. I think we do. But also with the with the new climate that we are experiencing, you know. Soil is everything in terms of plant health. Absolutely. Oh, yes. And the better your Absolutely. soil, the, the deeper your mulch, the more mm. likely you are to be successful in growing the plants that you want to grow. Mm. Yeah. And pile it on. Yeah. And don't worry about putting it up against trunks. You know, there's very few plants that I've experienced that get collar rot. Very few. You, you might find with some of the plants from a more arid climate that are not used to... Um, mm having organic matter up against I their see. bark. Mm-hmm. But for the things that I grow, the deciduous trees and the broadleaf evergreens, I just pile it on. Mm. You know, I, I used to go around cutting pots and putting collars around them yeah. all. Right. No, well, not no anymore. More. No, that's just the, chuck always it been on. the wisdom, hasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And certainly the rule of thumb is that anything you can grow from cutting will cope with mulch pushed against it. Ah, It'll just push out roots. Okay. Yeah. So traditionally, we were always taught lemon trees were the ones that were susceptible to cholera. Don't know about that one. If I'd be careful. Yes. Yeah. So I think that might be one of the yeah. exceptions. It's just, just worth doing a little bit of research. But you only have to pull it back a little bit. That's yeah, right. That's right. Yeah. Just a little and bit. And you just cut the bottom off an old nursery mm. pot and mm. put it around the trunk if you're concerned. Yeah. But really, I've piled it against like my camellias, thick against their trunks. Mm. Non-issue. Mm. Yeah. If anything, they look happier. Mm. <laughs> Camellias are a tough plant. Yeah. Mm. Once and they're established. Yes, yes, yes. Well, of course, don't forget, too, that anything that's an understory plant is going to get leaf all litter. the leaf litter. That's exactly yes. right. And yes. nobody's out in the middle of the... F- <laughs> clearing their <laughs> you know, way. Clearing their yeah. way. Yeah. So, um, so they will take it mm. automatically. Really, anywhere apart from arid climates where you have a plant community, you're going to have a lot of litter. Yes. Even in the grass grass areas, you know, you get that thick thatch of um, of grass. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Deep mulch yeah. and 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 wood. You think of a forest floor and the amount of wood decomposing on yeah. it. Mm. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. Okay. Let's go to our next caller. We have uh, Julie in East Gippsland. Good morning, Julie. Hi. How are you? We're well, thanks. I'm, I'm just ringing up. Um, I, I saw an article uh, about Roundup in the Herald Sun recently, yeah. and it was a professor in Roundup Defence, and he was saying that uh, his University of Sydney Emeritus Professor Ivan Kennedy, who has conducted risk assessment on pesticides for nearly 50 years, claims the recent landmark court verdicts in the United States against Bayer uh, were based on emotion rather than hard scientific data. Uh, and this is 
very disappointing because from my point of view, he says, glyphosate is the safest herbicide that we have and it's inherently not toxic. Uh, Professor Kennedy said yesterday the court decisions, I believe, were based on emotion and there's all this hysteria and misinformation out there now, which is very disappointing because uh, it's such an important uh, thing to use. If you use it very, very carefully and very uh, the way they say to use it, it, it won't ha- there won't be a problem. I uh, just don't. Ha- I don't have an alternative. No, well, um, I'm, I'm the same. I'm I- managing big properties. You know, I can't get down on my hands and knees and pull the weeds out of the driveway. No, that's I don't right. have the time or the or the effort, and and, and I'm very careful with it. I do that's it. That's right. Crack a dawn. Yes. When it's absolutely still. Yes. I use it the, the minimum that's required. Um, but. You know, I've tried all the other products. I've tried these um, homemade remedies, and, and yes. all they do is burn the leaves off. That's right. And, a, and I've tried Slasher, yes. which is the same. It's, it's, it just it's, burns the top it's off. It's fine on annual weeds, but yeah. anything with a root system, it doesn't kill it. No, it so doesn't. if somebody can give me an alternative, I'd be really happy. Mm. Yes. But, but so far, there's not one. Mm. No. Yeah. And it's good to know that uh, people, you know, that people like um, Ivan Kennedy, who's um, been studying pesticides for 50 years, uh, has come out in defence of it. Because, um, you know, I have I have three and a half acres that um, I work on, and I've had um, some weeds like blackberries, and I just cut them and paint the cut surface, and it kills the the whole plant. Very quickly. And, yeah. and there's no way you can dig up blackberry because every little piece of root that you leave behind right. reshoots. That's right. And yeah. also um, with passion fruit, uh, the understock of passion fruit, I've had a problem with that and been able managed to uh, get rid of it with uh, Roundup. Um, so I, th- I think it would be terrible if they uh, all of a sudden had, had a blanket uh, thing and not sold it anymore. Because, well, we have to be provided with an alternative. That's right. Yeah. And um, even uh, with managing the bush, um, uh, people we go out and weed in the bush, and we have to use Roundup to kill the weeds. Or uh, the stumps. If you say, for example, in the Dandenong Ranges, if you're going out cutting holly and sycamore. You can't dig each you can't single get, plant no, up. No, you can't. That's right. And, and you have to kill the stump or it's back again in three months. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and it's not, it's not a, like in Vietnam where they actually sprayed over the whole, the whole mm. area. It's just painting it on a tiny area and that dissipates. As soon as it goes down into the roots and kills the roots, that just dissipates. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather not have to use it, but I don't see an alternative. That's right. Yeah. Yes, um, so and, I just thought I'd, I'd ring up and uh, mention that because I thought uh, it, this uh, thing that it's uh, a terrible, ghastly thing that we shouldn't be using, um, I don't want that to um, get to a point where they start talking about cutting it out. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, th- I think the research is ongoing and what you yeah. do have to look at is whenever any spokespeople come out, um, you have to look at uh, who they're employed by. Who's behind it, exactly. exactly. So yeah. you've got to think deeper yeah. than just reading an article yeah. by someone who looks as though they know what they're and, talking and, about. And these, these, these American multinationals who are 
developing Roundup proof crops and aerial spraying. I mean, that, well, that, 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 is, that, that's terrible. another level. Yeah, yes. that's another yeah. level. And that has got to be cut out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yes, and there are these I people in the United agree. States that, that were poisoned, they were drenched in the stuff yes. daily. Yes. Yes. Dreadful. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yes. But we have to keep a very, very um, close eye on the whole lot and research, and yeah. I'm sure we'll hear more yeah. over the next uh, coming uh, couple of years. But in the interim, you know, when you're managing a big property, I mean, I was brought up on 120 acres in New Zealand and, and we were careful with Roundup, but we didn't have the alternative. That's right. Yeah. Well, we still don't because yeah. I know because I've, I've tried other things. I've tried slasher and things yeah. like that. And Same. it just kills the surface and yeah. then the plant re- rejuvenates yeah. after a, a month or so. Yes, from the roots. That's right. Yes. Well, it's even less for me than a month. Yes. (laughs) Very quick. Yes. I'm sure this is going to be an ongoing discussion for for quite a while. That's a good thing. It is a good thing. The more information we can get, the better. But we have to be extremely mindful and take every precaution. And and when I'm using it, I am mindful. I mean, I feel Mm. guilty taking the bottle down off the shelf. Yes, same here. But... And wear, you wear gloves. Yeah, that's um, right. And yeah, eye I protection. I don't actually and spray it. I just paint it on. So yeah. I'm not actually spraying it into the air and breathing it or anything. So. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I have to, to a certain extent, on driveways and things. There's, yes. there's no alternative. But like I said, the crack of dawn. Yes. When it's absolutely when it's still. still. Mm. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, okay. I just thought I'd mention that. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for your thoughts. Okay. Bye bye. Okay, uh, we are running through until 9.15, so we've got 20 minutes if uh, people want to uh, jump on the line and give us a call. That number is 94190155. Craig, have we covered everything you brought in? Oh, Mahonias. Ah, just, yes. Just coming into flower now. It's, it's one of my very favourite groups of plants. I love them for the shade. Um, foliage, flowers, structure, everything about them is beautiful. A mm. um, little bit prickly, but, you know, no more than a rose. They're great for the mm. little birds. Absolutely. They give them protection. Yeah, yeah. And, and also the birds like the flowers. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, and there's a whole raft of them. You know, the, the, the most common one seen around is Lamara folia, which is, is probably my least favourite, I think, in terms of its habit. But if you, if you can look for a Nepalense or Bealai, they are... Truly beautiful, mm. much bigger leaf, mm-hmm. much more um, flowing. Yes, not not as rigid as uh, Lamara folia is. You know, one and there's some quite small ones too, Mahonia aquifolium, and there's a hybrid of that called Wagneri moseri or something, which has bright red new growth. Okay. Yeah. And what about berries, Craig? <laughs> they never get that far because of the parrots. Right. Oh, parrots the love, parrots them. love them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, if 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 you don't have the parrot issues, then you'll get blackberries. Mm. Yeah, which That's can be quite spectacular absolutely. in your own right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they're slow, which are, you know, as you know, I love slow-growing plants. Yes, you I'm do. <laughs> not not into anything that grows in a hurry. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, it looks like we've got. Uh, let me see. We've got uh, Ken back online. I knew you'd call back, Ken. <laughs> I wasn't going to, but I, my wife was trying to stop me. But the thing is, look, it is dangerous, and I don't care. We're all aware of that. We're yeah. very aware I, of it. I would, I've never sprayed anything in my garden, and yep. I never would. Yep. But it's a very different... And I don't like... Anyone who uses 2,4-D... The place that makes it is a place called Monsanto. 
Yes, we yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, um, New Farm Chemicals. Yeah. They had 27 leakages in two years. No wind can break it up until it gets to 80 kilometres away. But if you provide me with an alternative, yeah, I'll use it. Why don't you spray Agent Orange? Get the, find out the other stuff and I'll get rid of it straight away and get rid, rid of you too. I wouldn't use it. I don't think you've got any bones, mate. Anyway, that's all I wanted to say. Okay. I wouldn't okay. use it. Okay. Bye. Bye. Uh, a caller, I knew one of our callers would, would be on to this. A caller has phoned in to mention that the peony I was talking about yeah. is Ito. Okay. Ito peony. E-T-O? I-T-O. I-T-O. Um, I-T-O. And um, he says it can be purchased in Monvolk. Uh, oh, so... Um, um, from a man whose surname is, uh, what's this, Bockel? Yeah, 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 Ron Bockel. Ron Bockel? Yeah, right, yeah, okay. Bockel, yeah. Um... All right, so, and, and there's more than one. It's a whole it's range. A, it's a group of them. It's a group of them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Ito, I-T-O. Yeah. Yes. I'll have to I Google that. I knew it was that. Japanese. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just couldn't think of the name. Ronnie but Burkle's a huge peony expert. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll uh, ask him about them and yeah. he'll know all about it. Yeah. But they are stunning. Definitely worth exploring. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That's good news. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. good news. Okay. Uh, now, also, the caller also wants to know how to deal with a xanthodina. It's xanthodesia. I think they mean the arum lily. Yes. Oh, arum. gee, okay. that's a hard one. It's in a pot. It's finished flowering. Does she now repot it? It'll come back. It will, won't it? They should yeah. be just surfacing now. <laughs> Maybe last year. She's talking about last year. I don't mm. know. I don't know. So the the arums, well, uh, certainly I know at home, they're all just coming up now. Yeah, they're right. winter. Yeah, they're winter. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah right. yes, they are winter. As soon as the weather warms up, they go down. Yeah. You yeah. won't kill it. No, no that's right. I, I, I would have thought you'd just leave it alone exactly. and it would just re-come up. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, they're, they're one of those things that the more you disturb them, the more you get. Yes, I mean, they're, oh, okay. um, they're so, a, a weed. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Yeah. Look, some of them are beautiful. They are yeah. absolutely it's, beautiful. It's the same thing, you know, yeah. you don't condemn a, a no, whole no, genus. No, no, They're absolutely I, beautiful. I and grow if you've, lots got, of if you've got it in yeah. a pot, yeah. you know, you, yeah. you're not letting that spread everywhere. Oh, I, mean, I haven't cultivated it in a pot, but by the look of it, I would say it would be a gross feeder. Yes, okay. Lots of fertiliser. Yep. Yeah. All right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Anything with those big soft leaves mm. and lush growth likes to be fed. Yep. Yeah. All right. Okay, uh, it looks like we've. I knew we'd open up a hornet's nest this morning. Yes. With the roundup. Yes. yes, but anyway, uh, we're going to our next caller who is uh, Kay in Viewbank. Good morning, Kay. Hello. Yes. Uh, I, first of all, I'm not against uh, roundup, I, I do have it as well, but I wanted to let you know about a, a homemade um, solution that I, a uh, weed killer that I use, and it seems to work quite well, like in paving. I wouldn't spray it like on a garden bed where there's other plants to spoil the soil, but it's made up of one cup of salt to one litre of vinegar. I, I sort of do that in a saucepan and, you know, dissolve it, put it into a spray thing, and I've actually just been out this morning and sprayed a bit around on some uh, paving to um, just, you know, little weeds that come up amongst our paving. Yeah. And um, I, I find it quite good. So uh, that's for annual weeds, is it? Uh, I suppose they are, yes. Yeah. Yes, things that come up. Things like that, that sort of a dandelion sort of a thing that's really hard to dig out. It, yep. It, um, you know, the roots go down, and but it seems to get to them. Okay, mm. that's good. Mm. Yeah. yeah. 
Again, okay. you wouldn't want to be making, putting it into garden beds and making your soil too saline. Yeah, that's no, right. No, that's right. Yeah. I, don't, I don't do that. I just use it on, like, amongst rocks. If the, you know, I've got a rockery or something. I so you're virtually just, just spotting it on. Spraying Directly. it on. Yeah. Yeah. Spray it, yeah. You don't water it down. It's just the vinegar. So White it's neat. It's neat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd imagine that would knock things around. <laughs> you would think it would, yeah. yeah. But That's a, right. A, again, you wouldn't be wanting to use it terribly often. I mean, none of that is going to be good for the soil in the yeah. long term. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, it doesn't really go into the... Where, where I spray is just, yeah. you know, the paving and amongst, you know, rocks that are... Like an edge rock, if or you know what I mean. Or gravel driveways, gravel I would driveways. imagine. That'd be, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And okay. it's quite cheap, of course, as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks okay. very much for that. Bye. 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 Okay. Uh, uh, a caller from Adelaide wants to know about burning woods with a wand, or burning weeds with a wand. Yes. Those, those well, the weed are, wands are quite weed good. Weed wands are great. Yeah. Yes, no, they're excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So but for um, spot, spot, yeah, yeah. Yes, again, and yeah. particularly in, in rockeries and gravel driveways and things. That's right. Yeah, yeah. they're ideal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, excellent. Um, okay, we are running through. We've got, oh, just uh, if someone really wants to call in in the next five, five, ten minutes, uh, we can take your call, the number nine four one nine. Zero one double. The five. other thing that's good is a blowtorch. Yes. Yeah, you can True. buy them at Bunnings really? for, for weeds. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and just burn them. Yep. Yeah. They're but like the, a the issue I have is 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 the scale. Yeah. I mean, if I were, if I was living in a suburban garden, then I would imagine that would I would, wouldn't use any Roundup. No. I wouldn't see the need for it. Yep. But I'm um, dealing with big properties. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And limited time. Yep. See, I don't, I don't use it at all. I no. refuse to, but that's my personal choice. But yeah. I'm not dealing with yeah. with acreage like you are. Yeah, and and you know, once a year at Long Acres, I have to go around and do the blackberries, and mm. it, it's quite a big job. Oh, it is. Um, and I can't dig them up. Yep. Because they just come back again. Yep. Yeah. No, it's uh. It is a problem. We'd love mm. someone to invent mm. a. An absolutely yeah. would be benign great. weed killer yeah. would, would be, be brilliant. Yeah. Particularly yeah. for the hard weeds. Yes. The sycamores and hollies and yes. all those. Even right. you now yeah. is becoming a weed yes. in the and, hills. And for yeah. regenerating the bush, it would be That's fantastic. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm. So why can't our scientists get on the bandwagon and <laughs> give us right. something? Yeah. <laughs> yes, we could really mm. do with it. Mm. Yeah. And the, the alternative, you know, the hard, the hard wood, wood weed sprays are horrific. Mm. The, the, the sprays that they'll sell you for spraying blackberry or something. I mean, I just wouldn't use them. Oh, no. They're, they're, they're horrific. Shocking. So it, I'm down on my knees cutting them off at the base. Yep. Yeah. Yes, it's an ongoing problem. It's an ongoing problem. <laughs> what did they do with weeds in the botanic gardens? Lloyd? I'm not entirely sure there, Pam. Um, I'm not entirely sure. But okay. Uh, Maybe it's a question you should ask. Yeah, find I out. It would be I really interesting ask. to it know. It would be interesting yes. to know. Yes. Yeah. yes, it would be. It would be hard to imagine a garden of that scale being managed without a little bit of glyphosate. I'll have to find out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's sure. your homework. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, just waiting for this next call to come into the system. There we are. And uh, we have uh, Robert out in Mitcham. Good morning, Robert. Well, good morning, all. 
Look, uh, earlier you mentioned uh, putting, putting lime on uh, hellebores. Yep. Does it matter? <coughs> garden lime, dolomite, does it matter? Not really. Just, uh, just You just need to be a bit more gentle with the garden lime than you do with the dolomite because it's instant, so don't use as much. And what about applying that to uh, bulbs nearby or... Uh other bulbs in general. I don't think that'll be a problem. A I problem? think they'd like it. Yeah, and th- they'd like that too. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, yeah. we, we we could be okay. Daphne, propagating Daphne, other than the Adora type, any any clues? Oh, they're difficult. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which okay. which one? <laughs> Do you know which one? Uh, no, not offhand. No. Yeah. I mean, most of them are seed raised. Um, these days they, they graft a lot of them onto um, Balua or, or um, Longa Labata. Um, in terms of cuttings, look, there's only one way to find out and have a, have a shot, but you, you won't get a high strike rate. As, as opposed to uh, the Adora that uh, everyone tended to do on Boxing Day. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. It's a Christmas time um, job, yeah. Same time? So, yeah. There you go. Thank you very much. Yeah. I know you're busy. Seed's the best. Eh? Seed is the best for Daphne if, right. if, you can, if you can get it. If you can get it. Yeah. There you go. All right, folks. Thank you very much. All okay. Right. Good on Thanks. you. Bye. Right. Uh, Craig, anything else you we haven't covered? Yeah. Um, you know, it's seed time now. Right. I mean, I've just just bought all piles of seed up. Some of it is um, in the fridge, where it goes in the fridge for three months mm-hmm. before I sow it, and I generally do that wet. So I get some vermiculite or some perlite or something mm-hmm. and just slightly dampen it. Right. Just with a, you know, flick it with your hands at the water. Yeah. And then mix the seeds through that and put it in a sandwich bag. Okay. Labelled. Yes. <laughs> right. Dated. Yes. In the fridge for oh, three months. Okay. So mm. I'll be sowing that in, well, it's been there for about a month now, so August. Okay. Yeah, and then some of the more, you know, the, the easier things, it's, it just goes straight into the polytunnel. I mean, I find with seed that it should be somewhere where you can tr- control the watering so that it doesn't get too wet. Mm. Yeah. But it's, I've got a lot coming up now. Mm. Yeah, all the digitalis seed, um, cyclamen seed, bulb seeds all right. coming up now. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's, for me, one of the reasons I like this time of year. Yes. For the renewal. Yes, yes. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, and the other thing with seed is that People get excited and they want to transplant it quickly. Yes. And it's much better to leave it in the pot until it's got three or four sets of leaves. Okay. Before you move it. Right. And some, like the cyclamen seed, it's, it's years. You know, you, you need to leave it, in, leave it alone in the pot for two or three years before you transplant them. That's the species, not the, the, um, the commercial cyclamen. Yes, yes, yeah, right. They've, they've got them on the shelf in that time. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, look, uh, everyone should try seed raising. It's such fun, yeah, and always a challenge. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the idea behind the vermiculite, mixing that in, is and then putting it in the sandwich bags. It's cold stratification. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like our our Australian natives often like a bit of heat. Yeah. A lot of oh, plants okay. like a bit of cold. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Wonderful. And you you remember when you're dealing with alpine seed that. They're generally under a metre of snow over the winter, and oh. snow's dry, cold and dry. Cold and dry. Yeah, it's yes. not until the snow melts that it gets wet. Yes. So okay. that's the spring. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So you need to keep mm. it not bone dry, mm. but not wet. Yes. 
Yeah, over this time. Yeah. Very interesting. Ba- oh. Battling to do things. I'm battling to find begonias. The only people I can find to sell me begonias are people in Queensland. And, of course, from Queensland to Alinda mm. is a huge, oh, gosh, a yes. huge jump. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my oh. indoor plant thing. Everyone wants indoor plants. Oh, and yeah. I figured that I'd select out one genus oh, and do it. Idea. Yeah. Um, but it, it hasn't been an easy road to find mm. them, which is sort mm. of odd because I'm sure they're in every backyard in Melbourne. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. And named. Yep, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, we've had uh, a caller from Templestowe wants to know about an answer from last week um, about the Grevillea peaches and cream, but I don't know what they want to know about it. It's um it's it's a very popular grevillea. Yeah. It's a very pretty grevillea. Yeah. Um, it's readily available. Yeah. Um, but a lot of my experience and it is fairly limited with some of these grevilleas is that they tend to grow really quickly. They do very and they quickly. They get floppy. Yes. So that you need to give them a chop every now and again. Yes. That to, that, that, that peaches and green will them. get quite big actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they like poor soil, don't they? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So no fertilizers mm. for them. No, no, no. Just yeah. just plant them, leave them well yeah. alone. The yeah. birds love them, of That's course. Right. Yeah. Um, would be readily available from, from somewhere like Karanga. I'm sure yeah. it would be. Yes. Yeah. 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 But, um, I mean, it's, it's a really nice grevillea. There's a whole range of them. Um, yeah. It's, um, I think it's, it originally came from Robin Gordon or a cross with something, I've forgotten which, yeah. but it's in that range. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah I don't uh, have a lot of luck with them. Yeah. It's, we get too wet. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. just turn their toes up. Fair enough. Yeah. And, and it's called peaches and cream because it's, it's a cream colour plus an apricot colour. Yeah. Is the the range of the flower, yeah, uh, yeah with the colouring, yeah, and I would say prune it. Yes, definitely yeah, even if it's prune flowering. It. Yes, definitely. Well, they never stop flowering. They flower on new wood. Yeah. So, yeah, so just keep pruning. That's right. Yeah, yeah. tip prune. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, without this is the beauty of if people are game to speak to us on air, we can get a little more idea of what information you're after. That's but, right. Um, yeah, hopefully a bit more information. Yeah. Um, yeah, but with Grevillea, I would say discard a lot of the information I've given on mulching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not too deep. Yes. Yeah, they're, they're hard climate plants, aren't they? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. yes. Yeah. And just don't be kind to them. Yeah. <laughs> be tough. Good way of saying Beat yeah. them up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mm. yeah. All right. Um, did you have anything from the outside line there, Louise, or...? Um, no, it was Carol was just clarifying something. Oh, so. that's okay. Yes. All right. Um, we've nearly run out of time. Um, just a reminder to all our listeners. Uh, firstly, if anyone would like to uh, join the Gardening Show team and uh, come in and learn how to answer the phones for us and be part of the roster system that we run here with our um, with our volunteers, I would love to hear from you if you phone in to uh, Carol and just leave your name and uh, a contact phone number, then I will get back to you. Um, and also a big reminder, of course, that uh, June 23rd, which is not next Sunday, but the Sunday after, is our Radiothon Day. It's a huge day for us here with the Gardening Show team. It's a huge day for the whole station. We have literally 
the station full of volunteers. Every phone line is answered. We have so much pro- product that we're collecting, um, books, vouchers, magazines, um, you name it. We've got lots and lots of goodies to tempt you with. This is our only form of annual fundraising to pay for the running costs of the station for the next 12 months. And if you want to hear the gardening show to continue on, um, as we love coming in, even in the middle of winter, um, to speak to you all and share our knowledge, because it is a learning exchange. We're all learners. Um, We never know everything. You can't possibly know. It it? never stops. It's it's a learning. Absolutely. But... uh, Yes, if uh, do remember 23rd and uh, come into the station afterwards, we'd love to see you. But that's all we've got time for for today. A huge thank you to Carol, Carol, who's been handling all the phones this morning. A big thank you to Craig and Louise. And uh, we will be back again next Sunday morning, 7.30. So until then, bye for now. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.